Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and... This here man, gentlemen, is Marit Larwood. What you didn't see there was that it's always the things you don't... You just hear our voices, but you don't see the physical actions. Yeah. And you just said, well, this... You gestured as if I was some sort of... Mon- like a sort of monster. How you would say, oh. oh, um... I think you're projecting. This is the monster in the cupboard, and you just... Uh, put- to me, it was uh, it was like doing the weather, and I was it was like a warm front is over here. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> We're going to talk about films. We are. I always feel this bit. I worry that this is people listening for the first time are judging what it's going to be like this conversation. Yeah, it's true. You do, but you do you do mention that quite often. So this bit has actually become you worrying about this bit. I don't give a shit anymore. That's films sort of format point. Films. Films. Um, well, I I mentioned briefly last week, and I thought we should probably talk about it as. It's become a bit of a phenomena, and that is Frozen. Yeah, I read an article in The Guardian um, uh, about a week and a half ago. It's mainly from it's kids that become obsessed with Frozen. Yeah. And as a consequence, lots of adults are having to watch it over a million times because their children are watching it constantly because it's got really caught on. I haven't seen this film yet. Tell me, why is it so special? Well... It is an above-average Disney film. Um, I I was a big fan of Tangled, which is, came before, and they're now doing the adjective films. Uh, Tangled, Tangled is Rapunzel, right? Tangled is Rapunzel. This is very loosely the Snow Queen. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've been trying to adapt the Snow Queen at Disney since the 40s, and they finally managed to do it. Um, it's a musical like Tangled is, the songs are better than Tangled. Tangles were very sort of pop 101. These are still pop 101, but they the, there's a couple of corkers in there, basically, that people love. There have been loads of recreations of the big show-stopping number on the internet by every everyone doing it. But adults have really got behind it as well. It's not just the kids, which is interesting. Um, really well-told story first, and good characters. It, that... There can't be uh, enough said about that. Is the reason people like it? It's a good story, and it's it's not just um, the cliched screenplay either. There is actually a, a surprising twist 
I think. Someone uh, said in this article I read, I mean, you might as well go and read this article rather than listen to me. It was in The Guardian. <laughs> no, tell me what vague things you remember about something you read. The vague things I remember about something I read. This is hearsay. This is, when, you, when you study history, this is we, how valid is the information? Is it, is it from the first source yeah. or, the third, or the second source? I said this information is about as valid. It's like the eighth source. It's that someone's drawn a treasure map. It's the HP source, mate. HP source. Someone's drawn a treasure map, dropped it in a toilet. Someone's gone to the toilet on that, flushed it. They found it. A dog's eating it. And then it's come out the other end. Someone's read that, told their mate with a speech impediment, who then told another friend. Yeah. That's the equivalent of the purity of me recounting the Guardian story. This is going to be good. So some bloke bang on about... (laughs) How the main song's got over 230 million mm. hits on YouTube, and although there isn't a big villain in it, which normal successful kids' films always have, yeah, sort it's of, interesting that. that he said that the villain isn't necessarily the people, but it's the emotions and the feelings of the characters. They get, but it's but it was said much better. That makes it sound like it's um, sort of um, uh, atypical storytelling and it isn't it's absolutely pedestrian 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 it's not it's it's not um it is route one disney but they've just upgraded it, the formula a bit um what is interesting is it's two it's twin female protagonists who aren't just useless princesses they are princesses they've not deviated that far from the disney norm but they're not the objects um you know that of desire usually, of the desire they they usually are um they are. Um, it's all about the girls, basically. Um, what are their names? Their names are Prince uh, Elmer, Anna. I remember Princess Anna because I think that's the name of uh, the princess in a bug's life as well. But um, there's one one naive one and one more sassy one, right? No, not quite so much. There's one who, uh, because of her curse, is really um, emotionally closed. What's the, it, what's the frozen heart is halitosis. No, she's she has the power to manipulate ice and snow, but she doesn't see it as good because she thinks people will think she's different. So she tries to hide, hide it her whole life. I bet life. she sings a song about that, doesn't she? Oh yeah. And uh, there's her oh, sister, me. who doesn't know about coming it. Coming out my fingers. Does it go like that? That's the one. Yeah. Coming out my fingers. Um, She'd be great for food, wouldn't she? For like, for especially you know, if it was the age before freezers, she'd be perfect. Well, the main male character is a man whose job it is to get ice from the mountains and bring it down. He's out of a job now, but then he can set up a food factory with her. Well, maybe, but I mean, it's it's serious economic problems going on in the frozen world. Um. It's it's properly good. The story's really well told, um, and uh, it's a really it's like watching an animated version of a stage musical that has pre-existed. Um, in the, it's that tight in terms of the musical beats, and it's perfect until the halfway point, and then there isn't another song. What the hell? Yeah, he just abandons the musical form and carries on the story, just doing the story like a normal Disney film without music. It's really weird that. The songs become further and further apart until there just really aren't any. I wonder if someone got sacked if the music writer got sacked halfway through. I don't know. It works, though, weirdly, because if they was... Um, you know, it's just the stuff that you can't really do. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if it had songs, I'd think differently. But 
it, it's it's enjoyable as as far as kids' films go. I've been doing a bit of reading about this, and it's actually quite interesting because Frozen's made by Walt Disney Animation Studios, who have done hundreds of bloody films, but they. We're do- around the time they did Oliver and Company and uh, Basil the Great Mouse Detective and all of these films that sort of have a place in people's hearts but they feel a bit TV movie-ish, you know, mm. not that ambitious. They were actually going to close down uh, the animation studio as part of Disney and they were given an ultimatum that said if your next film isn't a big success, Walt Disney will no longer make animations for the cinema. And he will kill your family. No, he was already dead, but Walt Disney, the company, I think. Um, and the next film they made was The Little Mermaid. They went all out and just went, right, we're going to do proper musicals rather than just write some silly songs. That was a and big we're success. Massive success. And then they did Beauty and the Beast, even more so. And, that, you know, and it just grew and grew and grew. And then they started to decline, I think, in quality as well as in popularity, when... Pixar was on the ascendant. Toy Story, isn't it? From Toy Story onwards. Toy Story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and now, now that they're starting to make really good films again, I think it's it coincides with Pixar making more and more mediocre films and doing a lot of sequels and sort of bottling it a bit. Pixar so, become Disney. They become the big people that well, no one likes. Exactly. It's sort of started. It's uh, it's a bit of an ebb and flow between the two. Cyclical. Yeah. Um, like uh, in economics. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And you're trying to talk while you're choking in your coffee. (laughs) It's just like in economics, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or or also, um, in terms like the year as well, the weather. cyclical. Or um, it's a bit like like a wagon wheel, isn't it? I just want to say things that go around in circles. Yeah. History repeating. Of course, yeah. Why don't we repeat ourselves on these podcasts? Um... Apparently, our vocabulary on this podcast is only 20 words, and it's because the order we put them in. Someone did a study on rappers' vocabulary yeah. to see how much they use, um, and I have no idea what the results are. <laughs> it's like history, isn't it? Yeah. And like that's economics. Like a lot of every podcast, they'll start talking about something, and I have no idea <laughs> what the conclusion is, but, you know, you can go and find it out yourselves. That's the internet for you. Google it. You don't it. need to know anything. Google it. But um, Frozen, I was I was pleasantly surprised with. I thought they had good comedy characters and some good songs, and, and a genuinely, genuinely really well-written and told story. What comedy Disney character would you like to play? Ooh. Stitch. From Lilo and Stitch. Lilo. 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 It's spelt Lilo, but it's Lilo. Sorry, mate. It's all right. Um, Stitch. I'm a fan of Stitch. Um, How about you? Maybe... uh, I'd see... uh, Maybe Yuri Argo, the parrot. Which one's he? In Aladdin. I haven't seen... Is he an arsehole like in Othello, (laughs) Iago? Basically, he's a bit of an arsehole, yeah. He tries to be friends with the. I'm thinking of Iago and Othello. He tries to be friends with Othello, but eventually he's killing him. No, he's just the henchman to the bad guy. I quite like 101 Dalmatians. I wouldn't mind being something in that. Oh, one of the. In the live action one, it was uh, Hugh Laurie and uh, Mark Williams, of course, were the henchmen in that. Yeah, I didn't think Mark Williams was very good. I could have been a better henchman. You think? Yeah. Who would who would you get to play the uh, antithesis of your physicality so you look like a matched pair? Oh, it'd probably be my one-time corny partner, Greg Davis. Oh. Although, um, they'd probably go, oh, Greg's too big for that, he needs someone bigger. 
So who who is the uh, who is the A list? I'll you? probably be replaced by someone at Toby Matt Lucas. Toby Jones. Hey, you being you being the C list Toby Jones, I'd take that if I were you. That's that's good. That's pedigree. I'm sure there's another Disney. Anyway, let's. <laughs> we're not here to fantasize about what Disney characters <laughs> Aren't we play. We? Aren't we? I'm sure someone's going to send in. Why don't you send pictures of who you think best epitomizes us? <laughs> And we'll post them on our Facebook page. All right. Cartoons, yeah? Which Disney cartoons do you think of when you hear our voices on the airwaves? All right. Let's see if anyone replies. Are you going to give Frozen a mark? Uh, David's mark? I'm getting bored of actually reviewing things. Oh, um, don't bother, mate. I won't. I give it 12 snowflakes. Um, we've got a, a whole load of letters. Oh, um, Marek's bag is bulging. Yes, I'm about to spill it all over your ears. Um, one of our regular listeners, uh, Francesca Scalicci, has written in. Um, would you like to read this? Yeah, go on. Here is letter number one. Boop. Who am I to ignore the cry for help letters of my favourite film guys? First, I thought you might like to know that my comrade in letter writing, Chris Webb, and I have become Facebook friends. Chris Webb is a regular listener who also listens to other sites. And he, If you ask me, he's getting got a bit cocky about it. Carry on. <laughs> we shared a number of lengthy pen pal style messages, but alas, I have dropped the ball on keeping in touch. Good. But, through the magic of Facebook and its stalker-enabling qualities, I can tell you that Chris and his wife are expecting a baby. To which I say, yay them, and also congratulations. Fandango Webb. And you guys should too. Congratulations, Chris, Chris Webb, Webb, on your baby, and Fandango Mrs. Webb. Mrs. Christopher Webb. Yes. And Christopher Webb Jr. Come on, this needs to be about films. In other news, I recommended the film Short Term at 12 on the Facebook page and was summarily ignored. So I am reiterating it. <laughs> you and so many others. I, ha- I heartily recommend it. I think it even manages to achieve that which you two were discussing in last week's episode, fleshing out secondary characters while keeping the length manageable. And also, just because it was brought up on another podcast, I was reminded how good a film it was. I recommend Bernie. Also, Mud was a really good one. So, there. Three rentable recommendations. So, that was Short Term 12, uh, Bernie and Mud. Lastly, a question for Marek. Is there any superhero f- film you genuinely like? I'm with you that uh, I've been finding the whole genre tedious these days. The closest I got to really loving a superhero flick was Captain America, but of course it ultimately devolved into a 30-minute fight scene, and I just can't can't be asked. Uh, I fell asleep in the theater. You make my Friday cookie icing bearable, and for that I thank you, Francesca. So, Marek, is there an actual superhero film you can bear? The first film I ever saw at the cinema was Condor Man, which I thought was brilliant, and I watched it again recently. It's terrible. I don't like super. I don't like super. What about the Christopher Reeve Superman films? Yeah, Superman two I quite like. Yeah, Superman two's good, and uh, the Batman uh, uh, recent one, one the second. Oh, the Dark Knight ones. This the second the trilogy. Dark Knight. Yes, you like that one. Was really good. I didn't like Batman Begins. I think you. I prefer Batman Begins. I think. Um, And I also like Bane. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I like that one. He's the best thing ever. Um, well, I like all of them, don't I? 
I think I think I'm a big fan of the X Men uh, before the films came out. I was a big fan of the X Men before the films came out, and I think that's probably fed into the whole thing because I I've sort of got that. Oh, what's his power and what's this one? Oh, that would be good. <laughs> I, I like the first half of the Avengers. That was good as well. Yeah. Um, I've got another letter here. Let's go for it. Um, <clears throat> dear Derry American buddy, uh, Phil Shakespeare here, recent co-winner of your film by Lango, predict the Oscar competition. Film uh, Shakespeare? Yeah, Phil, Phil Shakespeare. Phil Shakespeare. You, Phil should, Shakespeare you should read the one. rest like Shakespeare. Well, he's already requested a thing. Oh, yeah. okay. What is it? I live in South London these days, but grew up in Teesside. I won't really have much of an identifiable accent. I'm just a bit generic, slightly posh, I suppose. I suppose. But knock yourself out and go full on Geordie if you fancy it. I, I spike my growth. You, I've had an email read out by you guys once before in the early days, but Danielle mocked me from finding the water babies traumatic as a child. I thought I'd risk further ridicule. This is terrible. I apologise. <laughs> There's been some discussion recently as to what defines something being sci-fi. Gravity has been trumpeted as the first science fiction picture to win big at the Oscars. But there have been dissenting voices saying it doesn't count as sci-fi, supposedly because the establishment doesn't approve the genre and would prefer the Oscars roster to remain sci-fi free. Is that Geordie? It's not really, is it? It's close. Bite a groove. That's my way in. You have a word to get into it. Bite a groove. I'm not all anti-sci-fi, far from it. But to my mind, science fiction involves fictitious science. So obviously, futuristic space affairs such as Star Trek is sci-fi because it warps speed drives, lithium crystals and other futuristic reality-bending technologies are involved. But also, something set, uh, set up contemporaneously, such as the fly, qualifies without being involved in space or aliens, owing to the transporter pop machine that ends up Turning Jeff Goldman into a fly. He's put a spoiler alert there kindly, but I didn't want to see it. <laughs> I think we know he turns into a fly. Conversely, something being set in space does not in aid uh, in and of itself. Sorry, I'm reading this really badly because I'm trying to the accent. Conversely, something being set in space does not in and of itself automatically mean that it's sci fi. Apollo 13 is not sci fi, it's not a fiction, of, of course. So perhaps that's the best examples. But gravity, despite being fictional and set in space, all revolves around contemporary technology, so I really don't think it's science fiction. What do you gentlemen think? Love the short best wishes, Phil. I think Phil's right. I think, um, uh, obviously, the, the genre, the fantasy genres are a bit too broad in terms of their, their in, uh, what they encapsulate. Sci-fi is often too uh, far too broad a term, and really... In my mind, science fiction is when you create a what-if scenario for a specific kind of technology that does not yet exist and then look at the human repercussions of it. I would argue that um, Star Wars, for instance, is not Mm sci-fi. Star Wars is space opera. Um, Mm. And actually, Star Wars has more in common with Lord of the Rings than it does with, say, um, Silent Running or, um, or The Fly. I, I think um, he has put it perfectly in this email. I know it really. I badly. think gravity isn't a sci-fi. I'd put it. Yeah. With, it's a it's a uh, drama set in space. I don't think it's sci-fi. Yeah, but I th- but, uh, is it? That's what he's saying. He's well. saying to my mind, science fiction involves fictitious science. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good defining uh, thing for it. But no, but I, I I would agree with him. But then go so far as to say, not all things that contain fictitious science are sci-fi. Yeah, it has to be about 
the fictitious science. I don't know. It's, uh, I've got some odd barometer in my brain that decides something sci-fi. I agree, gravity is is on the borders of sci-fi because I think there's bits in it. I don't want to say spoilers, which are a bit fictitious and a bit you know. Mm. Some moments but in it. All which superhero are, films are not sci-fi. They are superhero films. Yeah, and yet they contain fictitious I science. Defo- I can't understand how I know what sci-fi, but it's. If you gave me a list, I'd say that's sci-fi that isn't sci-fi. Mm. Oh, it's playing with the conventions of um, of society and with humanity, basically. And it's exploring that. Whereas space opera is exactly uh, what uh, that describes, which is knights and wizards and, uh, and old operatic traditions. You know, basically yeah. European folklore set in space. So you have massive wars and emperors and all of this. That's space opera. Just, I think in terms of you have to start categorising things in a certain way. I think yeah. to detriment of some films, because I think things get pigeonholed as sci-fi and that affects... A lot of people don't see them. Like if I said to my mum, do you want to see the sci-fi film? She would never see that. She would never watch a film. Absolutely, yes, it turns a lot of people off. For example, Moon is one of my favourite films ever. I've recently got a sound. That's sci-fi. That's sci-fi, but it's it's something you say... By saying it's sci-fi, I don't think it would... Some people... It's like saying... Uh, well, there's a real stigma about comic book readers. Yes. People reading comic books. I like reading, I like reading graphic novels. People think you're a weirdo, even though the re- the 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 art form is so it's so broad, broad now. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy that you yeah. could even say people from all. It's really great. You've got like psychology books in in graphic novels. You've got yeah. Uh, but by Isabella, philosophy books, Isabella Greenberg. I read by her called the the Encyclopedia of the Earth, which isn't even about. It's a folklore book, mm. but comparing like Dennis the Menace with Mouse, yeah, you can't. It's I mean, thing that's is, not one genre. Same thing surely. as sci-fi. Yeah, it's one medium in comic books, but you don't get to say that with films. I mean, for instance, Blade Runner. I'd say absolutely hundred percent sci-fi because it it asks what if you could have artificial intelligence and therefore do we treat it like it's a human? And it plays that out as a, a story of is it okay to kill these guys? Um, and what if they want more life than what you've yeah. handed them? That is a sci-fi. Whereas for me, Star Trek, it's got a lot of fictional science in it, but the TV show is often far more sci-fi than the films are. It's odd. Sci-fi, the the word puts me off. Yeah. And yet most of my favourite, a lot of my favourite films are sci-fi. Like Blade Runner, for example, I yeah. think is one of the greatest films ever. It's fantastic. I always think about my mum... She wouldn't ever watch anything sci-fi, and yeah. she's missing out on all these. Blade Runner's not about that; it's about you know identity, almost really, and what is hu- about humanity. I suppose yes. um, for me, and that's the main message for it. And then fantasy it. is when stuff uh, there are supernatural things that are not explained with a fictitious science. It's just magic, basically that all-encompassing magic thing. So a lot of it is elves and dwarves and barbarians and rubbish like that. Um, you know, it's a very well, my best friends are barbarians. I'm terribly sorry, um, but then things like Highlander, I would class under fantasy rather than sci-fi, you because it's not explained. The joy of it is the fact it's not explained yeah. until the sequel, which is terrible. But um, where they turn out to be aliens, but in the first one, it, it that's fantasy because there's no scientific idea that's put forward. The ideal time to watch Highlander is when you're about 13. I watched it when I was about 12 or 13. Yeah. It's the most incredible film I've ever seen. It, it rules your life when you're that age. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Robocop the same, I'd say. Yeah. Sci-fi. Robocop sci-fi because again, it's, it's uh, you know, 
Well, playing with I the think fringes you've, you've opened up a, a can of worms there, but I think it's a very interesting question. And I think um, for homework, all listeners can go and try and send in their own uh, definition of sci-fi. And if they want to do that, how do they do that, David? Well, you can email us if you'd like it read out in a silly voice, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, or you can start a thread to argue with each other on Facebook forward slash Film Fandango. Or you can tweet us, if you like, at Film Fandango, at Mr David Reed, or at Marek Larwood. Or at Stephen Fry, if you really want to get him involved. He won't give a shit. He likes science. And also, uh, uh, we will say thank you to people who donated to help uh, helping this podcast. Um, just uh, we, we won't do it for free. Uh, and if you enjoy listening, it, just donate like... T- t- 50p or something to pay for the Libsyn things so we can keep all the podcasts online and cover the cost of it. Do I explain that properly? No, never. Uh, But thank you to everyone who's donated um, already and if you'd like to donate then you can go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there. It really helps us out and just cover covers the cost of everything whatever uh, speaking got... of facebook yeah um you uh put on facebook a couple of weeks ago that you were going to look at films for free yeah but i've got a couple more letters first oh have you really to quickly run through um we have had a lot of letters yeah, in the last two weeks here's one because you talked about spider-man a few, yes. quite a while ago um do you want to read this one out okay what voice just do normal Hello to you two men and dog. I'm writing in today to address your comments on the most recent Spider-Man film. As a comic book fan, uh uh-oh, since childhood I thought The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was far superior to the last film released rebooting the franchise, but must pick you up on some of your spider facts. Oh good. First off, Peter Parker has aged throughout the comic book run and has been married, stroke divorced, been a teacher, a pro photographer and a scientist and not the eternal teenager suggested. Sure. Also, the portrayal of the character Peter Parker in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is accurate to the comics as he is always full of self-doubt and guilt while still being the quippy webhead in his role as Spider-Man. Not meaning to be a fanboy, but thought this best addressed in a comic book store guy type email. Worst research ever. Keep watching the film, specifically Session 9. Okay? Thanks, Paul T, a.k.a. Pablo. Um, It's interesting, this, that... You can have a character who's wrapped by guilt and then quipping when it's in comic books. There's something about dialogue that your brain always... When it's just written down, your brain always finds a way that it works. Mm. Whereas when you have to say this stuff out loud, suddenly you look like an asshole. I think it's often the problem with comic book adaptations and that you can write this stuff, you can't say it. Um, yeah. And the best ones are when the, the writer or the director has managed to make it all work. Like... Um, uh, Sin City I think manages it very well to create a world in which that kind of heightened ridiculous dialogue can seem real whereas others where they bring it back more back down to earth it just becomes ludicrous like Dark Man mm. for instance where it just becomes preposterous and I'm sure it would have worked on the page I find um, that a lot of things I say out loud if you take those and put those into a comic book they'd be genius mm. Yeah, but but here in real life they just sort terrible. of garbled yeah, ramblings. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible, David. I don't yeah. mind saying it's terrible. I've got one more left to quickly read out. Okay. Um, it's in a Scottish accent, but I can't do it. But I haven't got much time, so we're going to do it quickly. Dear Marek, David, and Buddy, I'm from Scotland, so I appreciate if you read out the most offensive Scottish accent you can do. But well, it has to be English, doesn't it? That is 
Um, as they as they call it, educated Scots. Yeah, I've listened to all episodes and enjoyed ramblings immensely. I just finished the latest episode, oh, uh, one hundred and thirty, a couple of weeks ago, and sympathised with Mark for the lack of good films out in the last week. I've been becoming more and more bored with all the superhero smashy, smashy, good, jumpy, punchy f- films full of CGI over the last few years. Admittedly, I do have a Cineworld card, so I go as often as I can to get my money's worth. Have you seen Locke yet? It's about 90 minutes of a gripping story. Tom Hardy was superb, and the film plays out simply through phone calls he makes to colleagues and family. It would be great for the wide release, because I thought it was emotional, funny, heartbreaking and dramatic, and focus on Tom Hardy driving. And that is it. I'm amazed this story kept me as interested as it did, especially as Michael Bay-type films can have action sequences and explosions, and they sometimes bore me with their lack of imagination, depth or character development. Locke may be my film of the year. A bit like last year's Mud with Matthew McConaughey, which I loved. I saw it in the middle of a whole bunch of comic book films, so it was refreshing to see a film that could potentially could have been set in any time period with no technology. Um, keep up the good work, and I hope you both come to Edinburgh this year with shows. Uh, Dodsey from Scotland. Um, I'm not going to Edinburgh. Neither am I. Um, Bad luck, Dodsey. Unlucky, Dodsey. <laughs> Uh, should we move into the next section then? Well, Locke, I'm, I will try and track down. I've not seen it, but um, I want to because I really like Tom Hardy. It does sound interesting. It sounds like a sort of cinema version of Marion and Jeff. Um, mm. Mm. Um, next section. Well, um, I thought this uh, is cinema is really expensive and everyone's really poor at the moment. Why not try and find out what films you can watch for free? Mm-hmm. Um, and on YouTube. Now, I don't know if these are legal or not. I'm not supporting watching films. Tricky. Things are often taken down rather quickly, aren't they? Yeah. These days. On our Facebook page, um, Darren, I put a request a couple of weeks ago asking for uh, any free films. And there's a link on there, which um, I'm just finding it now. Excuse me, I should have done this. Darren Pruer put on there. Which is Reddit for movies YouTube. So someone's sort of done this list. Reddit's like an American site, and there's lists on there. I tried to pick out the ones that I only want watching a film. It has to be at least seven twenty. When I watch stuff back, do you change the on YouTube yeah, when you watch yeah, films? Yeah. If they're three sixty, is it three sixty? I think it really affects. Yeah, I think three sixty films may does spoil watching the film. Yeah, I think we're talking to, about the resolution. Yeah, so when you go and watch stuff on YouTube, you probably know this. You change resolution. I think 720 SD. That's decent. 1080s uh, HD. But either of those. So you can even select, uh, you can on this Reddit site, the year, not the year, the, sorry, the 80s, 90s, whatever. You can say it's got to be at least 720 or 1080. So you know when you want something, it's good quality. Um, there's lots of great films in there. Uh, we've looked, uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy, which we reviewed. It's great. That's on YouTube, it's only 360. Dark uh, Crystal's up there. The Dark Crystal, The Illusionist. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I prefer the prestige, but this three sixty one, which is a ransom, the Mel Gibson thing. All Ransom's right. all right, isn't it? Gary Sinise as the bad man. It's just before uh, Mel Gibson went mental, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's pre pre mental Gibson, mental prolapse Gibson, or pre pre Beaver, <laughs> pre Beaver. Did you watch the Beaver? No, um, no, I had no interest. Originally, that was about a box of shit. Do you know that? No. I think the story is about a guy who carried a box of shit around. No. Please correct me. That someone. he made talk. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe that's... Ma- was Jodie Foster attached to this? Yeah, maybe it's a dream of mine. I don't know. <laughs> Kingpin's on there, but only 360. Yeah. Now there are... And the, the Beastmaster's on there. Your favourite film, The Beastmaster. Yes. Um, 
I bloody love animals and really wanted to them to understand me when I was little. I think that probably fed into it. Other one, I'll, I'll put these on the Facebook page and hopefully you can add to ones you find on there. Uh, Primer, which we reviewed, which is a Shane Carruth film about time travel. Yeah. We reviewed it about four or five months ago. It is fascinating and crazy. You know, I, I thought it was slightly boring, but it has stayed with me. Like, I can I can remember nearly all the film. Like, it is, it's it's an excellent piece of filmmaking. And I was trying to find a new film I hadn't watched before. I started watching Night of the Living Dead, which mm. I have seen. I forgot how good that is. Mm. The first uh, George Romero zombie film. Yes. Black and white one. The start is great. I just watched the first 20 minutes, and it's I will catch that. It's been so long since I saw all of those. It looks really great on um, YouTube. You can't make a bad zombie zombie film. So, I can't see how this is legal. It probably is illegal, is illegal yeah. I mean, you know, you're up, it's know up to you right... as consumers to do what you will. I, d- I don't like watching illegal films if I can. But it's... There are there are legitimate films on YouTube that uh, as well, and some of these may well be them. I don't know. Uh, where people... The, the people who own the copyright have put them up there because it's just not worth their investment in distribution anymore. I think, I think anymore. Not Living Dead, maybe that's so what... Yeah. Oh, that's like 40 years old now, is it? More than that? In the 70s? Well, and then there's films like... Um, uh, we watched uh, uh, Wake in Fright. Do you remember that? Yes. That, that is up there legally because uh, because they don't want to distribute it anymore. Um, well, I picked one film I hadn't seen before. What was that? And it's quite remarkable. It was my uh, first uh, Dario Argento film I've seen. Yes. Suspiria. Not seen it. It, and you have to watch this in high resolution because there are some things I've seen in this film. It's nice to watch a film. We think I've never seen anything like this before. Mm. It's incredible. Some of the visually and musically, it's like nothing. It's crazy. It's a story. Is it's um. Uh, an American uh, ballet student comes to tra- comes to Germany to a dance academy to study dance. It's dance academy, and the dance academy isn't all it's cracked up to be. This film was released. It's an Italian horror film. Uh, it came out in nineteen seventy seven. It's quite weird because um, I was speaking to a comedian about this today, and he said all the all the actors um, spoke in their native voices. So you've got Italian people, German people, and they've dubbed their bits over in the YouTube thing because it looks a bit odd in some bits in the America. I was trying to work out why is it some people look, yeah, why, yeah. why some people look dubbed and some people don't. But it doesn't really matter because the film is so crazy. Uh, it's surrealist crazy, or yeah, sort of. It's just uh, visually incredible. So in this dance academy, and it's all this huge red building with these odd lights. Uh, uh, the building is incredible and the way he shoots it and the way he moves the camera it's scary it's in the way that 70s films have that Creep. look of realism and creepiness yeah. that the, the clinical modern day camera hasn't really managed to capture it's interesting isn't and it and the lead actress um, in this is Jessica Harper she's got a, a brilliant cherubic face uh, and she's sort of the voice of reason why all these weird things are going on and some of these other ballerinas die in really horrific ways. But you don't know, my, my favourite films, I don't know, sorry to swear, what the fuck's going to happen in this film? I don't know what's going on. But it looks so stunning. 
um, you can see how it's influenced. We talked about was it the fall or was that weird? Yeah. How that was a film that was visually stunning but quite low on plot. This is it just looks like a whole wall of colour, um, and it's refreshing and it feels modern. Some what's odd about the Suspiria is some moments feel so modern and relevant and ahead of its time, even ahead of exciting well, filmmaking now. now. Yeah, and at the same time, some the bits that don't work have dated so badly <laughs> so you've got a juxtaposition of two things which seem really fresh yeah. with something that seems so old it's almost comical and the music it's uh, uh, it sounds it is I don't know if it's the YouTube recording but it was so loud and so overpowering and odd and disturbing that weird sort of uh, makes you feel uncomfortable sort of jarring but modern uh, crazy music that really gets you, you, really, you the visuals and, and the sound are really disconcerting and really put you out of your stride so you feel creeped out I love the idea of a colourful creepy film people don't usually it's... bother but then I would The Shining is actually quite colourful in places you know they've got the incredibly colourful carpet and the you know Visuals. It's certainly not a reduced colour palette. Like everything post seven has become. You know, it's not the tobacco yeah, stained, this, this is grey and, and murky and shadowy thing that all horror films now are. This is the most colourful thing in it, and even the blood in this is the is the sort of seventies blood that doesn't look right. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's still scary because it's so bright red, and that red colour sort of is a theme throughout the film. Um, I'm just reading. They made it with anamorphic lenses, so it's a way of which help it sort of emphasise all the colours um, I thought it was absolutely fascinating and re- uh, and it freaked me out and it's really rare to be freaked out by a film yeah yeah and there's a, a, a bit you know in Westworld when um, Yul Brenner's walking around Westworld's a sci-fi film uh, where they go into a sci-fi world uh, another great film and Yul Brenner's a bad guy a robot that goes wrong yeah he's a, he's a robot cowboy who goes wrong in this sort of robot theme park and what's scary is they play I don't know what the instrument they play when, when he's walking like boom, boom a weird sound when he's walking along yeah that makes it scary they've got similar sound in this thing the music's incredible I'm reading here uh, the Italian prog rock band I'm reading something Wikipedia. Goblin composed the most music, uh, musical score with Argento himself. It's inc- the music's incredible. I, uh, w- I want to see this now. I know it's a very celebrated film. You know, I've heard of it. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Rotten Tomatoes has given it ninety-five percent. Blimey, which is really high. On IMDb, it's only got seven point three. I think if I IMDb's for- all user reviews though, isn't it? Whereas Rotten Tomatoes is critics. Yeah, I can see why critics would love it. It's got a huge flaws in it but it's a different uh, film watch it on high resolution definitely on YouTube there's one at 720 go to Reddit I'm sure this came out of 77 so what's that 47 years ago 40 is that right 48 37 no it's for, yeah, 37 years 37. ago it's incredible this yeah, stuff yeah. came out it looks amazing and uh if the end it all ends too quickly but it's just 
I think because there's something where where all the it's a ballet school, so all the lead characters are are women. Mm. I think a lot of horror films, like you know, like Halloween and things like that. It's maybe. a horror staple, is that? Yeah, because women, I guess, are more vulnerable in society, so therefore, I suppose. Was the, was the, the first lead so- of a horror is often a woman? Was Psycho it? the first film to do that? Or? Interesting. Well, Psycho kills its lead about you know. Yeah. About Half an hour in, or but an hour in, or because it's a school of women. You, they, you do, they, you feel more vulnerable for them. Yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a breath of fresh air, and I think that's why Rotten Tomatoes given it such a high percentage because it, it's so refreshing for the critics. And I think I'm not seeing any other Dario uh, Argento, uh, Argento films, and you could see how they could easily go wrong because the bits that are bad are bad but some of the ideas are so outlandish but the most interesting directors do have that yeah. as part of them don't he's they he's not really t- he just seemed to fit that age of the, the late 70s it, and I've looked at some reviews of his other films aren't which aren't what are his other films remind me I'm just going to look them up now it's the first one I've watched I've just heard so much about him but I do recommend if you're bored go and uh, look at um, Suspirio uh, Suspiria rather he's done a lot of things like Demon and stuff like that Phenomena Tenebra, tenebra I, don't know, I don't know look him up on Wikipedia uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is him I think he worked on that I think I don't know if he directed I don't know if he directed that okay. I think he's a writer as well for a lot of things I see but um, be fascinated to see either you love it or you hate it it's not uh, it's so weird the plot you don't know what's going to happen with the plot and if it is a plot and it turns out there is and some moments you think there isn't you don't know it's, uh, what's going on it really puts you a bit out off kilter which is something uh, good in my eyes oh his, rambling, his last film in 2012 was Dracula 3D starring his daughter oh god 23 on Metacritic well, there we go. That's what happened. He's ruined. He's it's ruined. His ruined life. Yeah, uh, I think it's his daughter, Asia Argento. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Um, no, really interesting. I, I'll track that down. So, if you know you can get legitimate free films, I know there's a pop website I've mentioned before called Short Film Sunday, and they pick out a free short film you can watch every every uh, Sunday. There's some really good ones on there. Repost them on the Facebook page because yeah, things do, tend to I'll, get I'll, lost. I'll do that. Um, but if you know any good free films or that people want to watch, it's always nice, and they not to have to pay fifteen quid, whatever it is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I think that's it for this week. Oh, okay. Well, it's been such fun. I really hope everyone has a nice week. Yeah, so do I. I, I genuinely do. Hey. Hmm. Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.